0: The Speyside Way provides a mostly undemanding wander alongside the second longest river in Scotland from Newton to Bucky. Famous for its salmon fishing, the river valley was once home to more than 50 whisky distilleries. All use the local railway to transport their wares. The whisky line is now long gone, as are most of the distilleries. Those distilleries that survive and thrive here today still draw their water from the fastest flowing and largest near natural river in Britain, the River Spey. Newton Moor, the start, or finish, for the Speyside Way The Speyside Way is one of Scotland's four great trails. It first opened in 1981 and then ran between Spey Bay, on the coast, and the old Strathspey Railway Station at Ballindalloch. The railway once ran the length of the Spey Valley, transporting people and goods, particularly whiskey. So much of the water of life was carried that it became known as the Whisky Line. The railway closed in 1968 and the Speyside Way makes use of many miles of surviving track bed. An optional spur for the trail from Towell was added in 1990, then the coastal section was extended in 1999 to Bucky. The following year the trail was extended further inland to Moore, making the spaceside Way 66 miles long at that time and many walkers still only walk that length. In 2015 it was extended still further to Concraig, then in 2020 to Newtonmore. The spaceside Way now runs 87 miles from Newtonmore to Bucky and it was this route that three points of the compass walked in August 2021. I decided not to include the optional 15-mile Tometal Spur as I wanted to maintain a constant linear walk. The spaceside Way entails both a lot of forest walking and the trackbed of a long-gone railway. Wednesday Newtonmore 2-inch Marshes, 4.5 miles. After my 15-hour rail journey up from the southeast of England, my final train deposited me at the quiet little station at Newtonmore in the early evening. There was nothing to delay me and I was soon heading toward, well, anywhere, I had nowhere particular in mind and was winging it. Just as I intended to do for the majority of the hike. I hadn't even committed to how long I was going to take to complete the trail and had not booked a return train home. It was a lovely evening, the low sun cast long shadows and I felt truly content striding out at the start of another walk. The Badnock way is the concurrent path followed to Kinyasi and it was simple walking on the cycle path with only one wheeled user on its three miles between the towns. No sooner are you into Kinyasi than you are turning right and out of it. Another half-mile had me passing the busy shindy pitch and then crossing the Young River Spey. It looked spectacular and had really inviting grassy banks. I was sorely tempted to spend a first night here as it would be a fitting start to my then following the river to the sea. However the A9 runs far too close, the noise was intrusive and I walked on a further mile and a half, pausing to briefly view the ruined-riven barracks and consider camping there. Instead I followed the trail that soon turned off into the Inch Marshes Nature Reserve. There was a small clearing not far from the reserve's car park, overgrown and secluded, that shouted first night halt at me. My Z-Pax duplex was up in five minutes but the midges had found me in two and I dived inside and zipped up the bug netting. Evening tick check revealed one of the little buggers. For evening meal I carefully heated up pre-soaked soya protein chunks inside my shelter, added instant mash and yeast flakes, finally dumping a handful of dried fried onions on top. Then a little wander up to the reserve's hide to check it out. Chatting to Mrs. Three Points of the Compass on the phone in the gathering night, bats hunting above my head. Back to the tent, a walk through the scrappy grass entailing another tick check with another found. A hot chocolate finished off the day before sleeping well after a long day traveling with just four and a half miles of the trail completed. River Spay at Kingusi. Built on a glacial shingle mound, the now ruined Riven barracks housed a garrison in the 18th century. Thursday inch marshes to avimore 15 miles. It rained heavily during the night which didn't disturb me much beyond briefly waking me. I rose around 7. I packed mostly inside the shelter before striking camp and going up to stand at the viewpoint on the roof of the RSPB hide. I brewed up a pint of tea but it was too midgy so went down below, into the hide proper. I took my time as I knew I had a fairly modest day on easier terrain and enjoyed looking out over the largest natural floodplain wetland in Great Britain. Tits. Chaffinches and other birds were visiting the feeders outside the windows and skeins of geese flew into the pools beyond. The clouds lay over the Monadliath Mountains in the distance. It was a good start to the day. Aspens. The first few miles are on easy tracks through one of the finest and most extensive stands of Aspen in Britain. These eventually change to equally as lovely Scots Pine woodland, the trail also passing through a couple of isolated hamlets. Scots Pine. River Spey. Lunch was pretty luxurious. A smart-looking cafe was open in Concreg. They very obviously didn't want an already grubby sweaty hiker sitting inside so I ordered quite superb Parma ham and mozzarella and toasted focaccia which I enjoyed, along with a large tea, on the sunny, grassy bank opposite. Then it was simply a bit of wiggly, up-and-down path, with occasional views of the river or railway all the way to Aviemore. Early afternoon I stopped to brew up, wasting time a little as I didn't want to get into town too early lots of Scotch Argus butterflies and large dragonflies along this stretch. As it was I reached town mid-afternoon so pottered along to the Cairngorm Hotel and was happily accepted inside to the comfortable seating interior of the bar, there to enjoy superb pints from the Cairngorm Brewery, the titular hills outside the window still with patches of snow visible. Avi Moore was my second night's halt and while this was primarily a backpacking trip, I had included a night at the youth hostel to give opportunity to charge electrics, enjoy a shower and help, in any way I could this organization in its financial struggle out of the COVID economic mire. Booking in at the hostel was from 4 o'clock so after three pints, it was back the way I had come to check into my single occupancy private room, a COVID requirement at the moment with the SIHA. I chatted at length with the warden, Hamish, on his difficulties in opening a hostel during COVID times. SIHA Avi Moore hand stamp from my trail journal. I had passed a curry house on the walk into town so had booked a table for later that evening. As soon as I went there and they were reluctant to sit alone diner, despite having accepted my earlier booking, I should have turned away. As it was, I was subsequently presented with the worst Indian meal I have ever eaten, or attempted to eat. I left four fifths and they never queried this as plates were cleared. Having read a few online reviews since, I now know I should have gone to the fish and chip shop next door. It was a big mistake and a bad end to the day. Saiha Avimore. Friday Avimor to Grandtown on Spey, 18 miles. It had rained heavily during the night, though not disturbing me in the slightest. It was still raining as I rose. I had other things to worry about. I made a mug of tea and sat cradling it in the hostel lounge, looking out at the teeming rain and trying to ignore a churning stomach. I returned to my room, finished packing, had a third clear out of the morning, donned waterproof, rain-kilt, I'm in Scotland, I can call it that, and Tilly had and strode though an increasingly waterlogged town, successfully restraining myself from chucking a brick through a certain window. I felt lousy but once out of town the weather cleared and brightened. Remarkably, I began to enjoy this section of trail, my stomach eventually settled a little and despite feeling a little wobbly, my feet kept moving me in the right direction. The sun came out, it dried up. I even got a puffing, whistling steam train passing me at one point. Having left Aviemore, the trail follows a well-surfaced cycle path alongside the Strathspey Steam Railway. At Boat of Garden the trail passes one of the stations on the tourist line, the Straths Bay Steam Railway. With my earlier dodgy stomach, I hadn't eaten anything so far this morning. Now hungry, I ventured in suspecting the presence of a cafe result. I fancied a bacon roll or pasty, but they were only offering cakes. Armed with a huge slice of excellent coffee and walnut cake and a pot of tea, I sat at one of the tables, to be rewarded with both a steam train huffing into the station in front of me and also a sugar rush headache that accompanied me for the next three miles out of town. Boat of Garden. There is a fair amount of forest walking on the Speyside Way, but the stretch following Boat of Garden must be amongst the best in the country. Other than just a little road walking, the paths take you through the Abernathy Forest. This is cracking walking and is over far too soon. I was last in this area over 20 years ago when I visited to see the ospreys nesting at nearby Loch Garten however this walk was pretty late in the year and I held little expectation of seeing any ospreys this week. In fact, as with my earlier forest walking, the trees were pretty quiet of bird life. I would occasionally come across small mixed parties of roving long-tailed tits, blue tits, and coal tits, but sadly no crested tits, one of the special birds of this area. Nor did I see any of the native red squirrels or pine marten that I have seen on other visits. I really was a tad late in the season and wildlife was pretty quiet and inconspicuous. The occasional deer still crossed my path though. Plenty of those around here. River spay at boat of Garden, rain gathering over my shoulder. Abernathy National Nature Reserve, the largest remaining area of Caledonian Pine Forest in the UK. The path skirts Nethy Bridge but does pass the door of an open cafe, I was drawn in. Two pots of tea were welcome though the accompanying bacon sarny was a bit poor two burnt rashers between cotton wool bread. Then it was a case of following the disused railway to the A95 next to the Spay Valley Smokehouse. I wasn't even sure if this business was even still operating as it was locked up, windows covered an A for sale sign at its entrance. There was lots of short cut grass around its perimeter and I was tempted to pitch up here for the night but I had another destination in mind. I crossed the Spay via the old Spay Bridge, pausing for photos of the river far below mid-crossing. Much to the annoyance of a fly fisherman who shouted angrily at me from the river probably poaching, or sans permit. The map shows an alternative route that follows the river bank until rejoining the official route at Cromdale. It looked a great proposition for a night's wild camp and I chatted to an arriving fisherman about the prospect and asked how busy it got with evening walkers well, it's not Prince's Street, but there will be a few. More to the point, He told me that estate workers would occasionally move wild campers on from the cut riverbank, telling them if you're camping on cut grass, it's not wild camping. I couldn't be bothered with any of that so continued with my original plan which was to search out a place in the extensive Anagok Wood to the east of Grandtown on Spey. Cowberries. Blayberries. There are a number of trails through the woodland beside the Speyside Way, and I follow the hopefully quieter red trail midway through, before leaving it for a secluded clearing on a higher bit of ground. I had a bed of berries and heather to pitch on and it made a cracking night's halt, the only downside being the expected midges and flies. Headnet went on while putting the duplex up and I dived inside for a decent clean-up and tick check, one, before forcing myself to eat my cold soaked evening meal wishing I had made a lentil curry instead. The feet had a good massage with moisturizing balm before merino sleep socks were slipped on as they had been wet for much of the day. Then I chatted to Mrs. Three Points of the Compass on the phone as the sun went down, while I drank a welcome pint of strong tea accompanied by good dark chocolate. It had been a good day's hike. Wild camp in Abernathy Forest. A headnet made things bearable outside the Z-Pax duplex but there is plenty of room inside to be comfortable while watching the sun go down through the large rainbow bugnet door. Saturday Grandtown on Spay to Ballindalock Station, 14 miles. I dropped off pretty quickly as night fell but I had obviously annoyed the local deer. He stamped outside the shelter and barked at me for 10 minutes before leaving to join his pals further down the slopes to continue making a racket off and on until I again dozed off. I slept well despite heavy rain and was in no rush to get moving on today's short stretch. I had a leisurely two mugs of tea before reluctantly packing and leaving. This was another cracking piece of forest walking. I saw no one other than deer. Sadly, no capper either as the red trail passes through a few good sights for them. I rejoined the Speyside Way and the grand woodland walking continued. Anagoc Wood, near Grandtown on Spey Red Trail, on right, joins Speyside Way, on left Common Lizard. Anagoc Woods. Harebell, or Scottish Bluebell, is the flower of the Speyside Way in August. Exiting the wood and stopping to filter water from a small burn, I paused hoping to glance inside the small church at Cromdale but the door was locked, so onward. Cromdale Station. Railway trackbed exits Cromdale. Some of the stations on the old whiskey line survive to this day. none are still operational as stations, of course, some are just overgrown platforms alongside the railway trackbed, others are converted to other purposes. The one at Cromdale is now posh glamping for those after something different. I stopped and chatted to the current owner of seven months, trying to convince him to put over another small and unused carriage he had over to bunkhouse accommodation for spaceside way walkers. He wasn't having it, preferring to charge many hundreds of pounds for week-long bookings. Rejoining the railway track bed and passing through fields of grazing cows and horses until doubling slightly back on myself on reaching the A95, crossing over and climbing up the hill, through forestry works, into the woodlands below Tom and Word. A few of these. Lots of these. Some of these. Too many of these. It was very obvious that few people pass this way. Scrappy taller vegetation had grown on the track and this, combined with a damp day, meant halting every 10 minutes or so to check bared legs. Sure enough, I wiped many minute ticks from my calves on this stretch. Even just standing for 5 minutes watching a couple of newly fledged sparrowhawks loudly calling as they awkwardly flapped in treetops above me entailed tailed clearing another 3 of the little buggers from my legs. There were far too many squeeze styles for my liking in this afternoon section. Many not performing any useful function that I could see. The afternoon entailed quite a bit of up and down, crossing unkempt farmland with destroyed fencing and abandoned loops of barbed wire poking from the grass in places. I stopped beside a handy burn, first to watch a dipper for ten minutes, then to filter water for a decent hot lunch, followed by a somewhat tortuous climb up through forestry until dropping down again to work my way back over to the river Spey and rejoin the railway track for a last few miles up to Belindalok Station. Along this stretch a weasel suddenly bounced into the middle of the path from the bordering vegetation. He stopped and rose himself up the better to study me, unsure, he lolloped nearer until some 12 feet away. That was close enough for him and he dove into the Rose Bay Willow Herb to the side and was gone. Belindalock Station is now private residence but a neighboring patch of grass has been reserved for Speyside Way Walkers. It was like pitching on a showcase lawn. Not only that, but the tiny adjacent car park, populated by day walkers' cars, also had a portaloo. The latter provided soapy wet paper towels for me to properly wash my feet before moisturizing them again. No ticks, and just a few midges drifting around. Tent up, I brewed up and sat supping hot tea while watching the hares in the fields above me. Cars left as walkers returned to them, a couple more turned up as dog walkers visited for an hour or so. I video called Mrs. Three Points of the Compass and chatted to her. Two lads turned up for a loud kick around of a football in a nearby field but they cleared off, it all got very quiet and despite gentle rain beginning to fall I drifted off and slept well. It had been a good day. Night's Halt at Belindelok Station Sunday Belindelok Station to Earth Pillars, 23 miles. Today was going to be my longest on trail as I had a particular location in mind for the night's halt. I never hung around in the morning, rose, made a pint of tea and drank that while packing. The portaloo was made good use of then it was off down the wet and cobweb strewn railway trackbed to cross the nearby Belindalock Viaduct. The previous night I had been in two minds whether to stop at the official site provided at Belindalock Station or another official campsite provided for spaceside Backpackers just a couple of miles further on at Blacksboat Station. I had definitely made the correct choice as there was little at the latter. TAMDU Whiskey Distillery No Visitors Knock and do Whiskey Distillery No Visitors Dalmunich Whiskey Distillery No Visitors. Today was a day of distilleries. I had held out just a glimmer of hope prior to walking this trail that I may be able to step inside at least one of the plethora of distilleries still found in the Spey Valley, it wasn't to be. Cragganmore, Tamdhu, Knock and Do, Dalmunich, Daliane, Aberlauer, the Macallan, all on trail, all passed by. Others close by but off trail remained unseen. I wouldn't get a taste of one of these until Bucky. While, Charlestown of, Aberlauer never offered any water of life, and its spaceside Visitor Center was closed, COVID, there was at least a decent café where a good burger, chips and salad was enjoyed alongside a couple of pots of tea. This set me up well for an afternoon of forest walking. A final bit of trackbed walking led me out of town, through a short tunnel approaching Kregeleke, across the bridge of Fittick and soon a turn off and into four miles of up, down and around the wood of Arndilly and woods of Knockmore. Kregeleke Railway Tunnel from the wood of Arndilly the view ahead of the final day's hike to the coast. Rode up and out of Bridge of Fittick. It looked like there was a bit of money in these quarters. Cameras, big gates, fences, walls and curious livestock kept the riff-raff away from the impressive houses and I walked on. Unsure if I would find water, I had been lugging along two liters for the night's camp, but passed a decent burn not 300 meters from my night's halt, so filtered a further liter giving me not only enough for meals and drink, but also enough for a reasonable tent wash later and hydration for much of the short day to follow. Highland Cattle at Arndilly House Earth Pillars is simply a decent viewpoint of the valley with the space snaking through it. By the time I had arrived any visitors there might have been were long gone and it was simple to find a quiet clearing in the woodlands above the viewpoint. Tent up, a good tick check with none found, a wash and scrub up, followed by hot oxo with heated dehydrated vegetable protein with mash and curry powder to follow. I then got to polish off all my remaining dark chocolate with mugs of strong tea and hot chocolate. Caffeine and sugar rush from these was insufficient to prevent me sleeping well, the last thing I heard being tawny owls calling to each other in the trees above. Another good day. Final wild camp at Earth Pillars. Earth Pillars Breakfast Viewpoint. Monday, Earth Pillars to Bucky, 12.5 miles. I slept well and took my time in the morning. Once packed, I walked over and down to the viewpoint to brew up and enjoy my morning cuppa, watching deer visiting the spay far below. After a breakfast of oat and kind bars, I rejoined the quiet road leading into Fokabers, where I somehow marched into town instead of turning off to the riverside path. No matter, as a bacon sarnie wouldn't have gone amiss. Needless to say, nowhere was open to provide one. I paused to look at anything that was remotely interesting, as I was really in no rush today. I startled three none too alert deer in the woodland walking from Fokabers. My dawdle along the path was accompanied by buzzards overhead and frequent views of the Spey and its thigh-deep fishermen and, later, a very brief glimpse of an osprey flying upstream. Woodland changed to cereal crops and nearing the coast I frustratingly missed the side turning to go and view the Spey viaduct at Garmouth worth seeing I had been informed. Instead, I reached Spey Bay where the wide, shingle-divided river empties into the sea. It was midday and having poked my nose into the small but good Scottish dolphin centre, worth a visit, I was able to buy an okay chicken and bacon sarni from the cafe to take outside and eat. I had been carrying a large bag of fearsomely hot-flavored Dorados throughout my walk and the last crumbs in the bag were shared between my sandwich and a friendly jackdaw who seemed unfazed by the strong flavor. From there it was simply a little more road walking, a little more forest walking and a little more railway trackbed walking almost all the way into Bucky, via its neighboring Buckpool and Seatown, though all three towns are now molded into one entity. I was pleased to see large numbers of eider and a raft of goosander on this coastal stretch. I was also accompanied by the mournful calling of the many seals in the water along here, each watching me pass before flipping and twisting in the water, diving, to reappear further on. Created in the Monadliaths, Grey Mountains, and later joined by the Feshi, Nethi, Lieve and Fiddick Rivers, the mature river Spey finally reaches the sea. On reaching Bucky I held off from simply turning inland to the end point, instead walking along to see the harbour and quite large ships moored there. Pedestrian entry to the harbour wasn't permitted so I turned and began the steady walk uphill to the town set above the harbour, wet fish merchants and sea associated industry below. The end of the trail is a little green park just off Cluny Square Q obligatory end of trail photos. My night's B&B, only booked two days earlier, was also situated on the square but it was only two o'clock and I had a couple of hours to kill before booking in. Handily, also on the square were both my bus stop for the following morning and a pub. The latter was the ideal place to pass a couple of hours, raise a glass of Aberlauer Speyside whiskey to myself and sink a couple of pints while completing my journal record. Finally-ish. Struan House, my final night's halt was spotless and welcoming, also cheaper than my Avimore hostel. After a terrific fish and chips supper in town, I slept well, breakfasted well, followed by a two-bus, four-train, 17-hour journey home. Three points of the compass took the excellent 247 grams book from Cicerone on trail but left its accompanying 62 grams 125000 map booklet at home in favor of the 41 grams waterproof one, 40000 strip map from Footprint. I was new to these maps and found this to be an excellent product. I'll use them again. There are not a lot of people walking this trail. In 2018, it was calculated that there were 52,750 visits including 2,750 end-to-end users. That was pre-COVID of course. Over my 5 days I met no more than a dozen people actually walking the whole trail. All were walking from town to town, either accommodation to accommodation or from car to car. None were backpacking. None were covering the whole distance between Newton Moore and Bucky. Most were finishing or starting at Avi Moore, and one couple had commenced their walk at Spey Bay. The recent extensions to this trail do not seem to have trickled down to people's perception of the current termini. The Speyside Way is in Scotland so despite walking the path in August I expected rain and wasn't deprived of it. It frequently rained at night, often heavily, not that it bothered me in the slightest. I had torrential rain one morning and light showers on two other days. I took a very necessary pack liner which kept everything in my pack dry. My lightweight if fragile frog togs rain jacket was perfectly adequate when combined with my rain kilt. The phone lived in a Ziploc bag in my front chest pouch from Z-Pax, along with the Guide guidebook, which admittedly was seldom read during the day. However the waterproof strip map from footprint simply shrugged off frequent soakings. Newton-Moore took in Craig's strip map from the excellent footprint map for the Speyside Way. So how would three points of the compass rate the Speyside Way? It would make an excellent mostly gentle introduction to those venturing out for either the first time on a longer trail or to give a flavour of walking in Scotland there are no dramatic climbs or stunning views. It is a pretty safe route throughout. With a modicum of care and a decent map, the route can be easily followed. If being mindful and discreet, wild camping is easily achieved throughout though sourcing water can be a challenge at times and a filter or similar is essential to my mind. I also got the distinct impression on a minority of stretches that landowners and farmers are either not happy, or barely tolerating the space-side way passing through their land. Paths are sometimes quarreled in with wire and high fences keeping the walker moving along. That said, I enjoyed the trail but wouldn't walk it again, there are better alternatives elsewhere. There is frequent opportunity to collect and filter water at springs and burns, but their presence cannot be relied on throughout and occasional quite long water carries have to be made. Three Points of the Compass does not always blog on the trails walked. Links to those that have been covered can be found here. The End, or Start, of the spaceside Way at Bucky Finally, after 87 miles, three points of the compass gets a glass of whiskey of Vá.